someone prints six trillion dollars out of thin air and just decides to give it to Amazon or Google or their corporate buddies or contractors to blow something up in Afghanistan, what they are doing is they are deleting the life, the dreams, the skills, all of the input of three million people from birth to death. They are cheating the market out of your influence. And they are just, at a political whim, deciding what the shape of the world is going to be. And you're just not part of it anymore. Let's absolutely go. My name is Patrick, and welcome to the Bitcoin Pitch Podcast, where I'll chat with anyone in Bitcoin. I don't care if you're a pleb, anon, or OG. You'll be giving us your Bitcoin elevator pitch and answer some quick-hitting Bitcoin questions that will be beneficial to newcomers. The goal of the show is to keep it short and sweet for all those people you are trying to orange pill. Today's guest is a Bitcoin OG who fell down the rabbit hole in Bitcoin's infancy. He is the guy who has read more about Bitcoin than anyone else you know, the host of the podcast Bitcoin Audible, Guy Swan. Guy reads and records all types of Bitcoin literature to give the community the ability to listen to written pieces while doing the dishes, cleaning the house, or really any tedious task. Here's my conversation with Guy Swan. What about now? Yeah, I can hear you. You got it now? I got it. All right, I'm going to double check. I think I'm all right now. <laughs> yep, I'm on the codec. Okay. All right, we got we got it now. Now I'm on my on my mic. <laughs> All right. I don't know what the fuck uh, is wrong. <laughs> so how's it going, man? Pretty good, man. How about you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, to be perfectly honest, I forgot exactly what we were doing here. I just have <laughs> I wrote down meet with Patrick. Hang with Patrick, one o'clock. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah, I mean the main reason uh, I'm kind of wanted to create this uh, kind of podcast is <laughs> is um. Sorry, I'll mute. The- no worries. <laughs> is um, I, I basically just wanted to help new people get into it, and what I found challenging was um, sharing long form podcasts with people that aren't into Bitcoin at all. Like they they don't want to listen to something long; they wanted something shorter. At least that's what I think. Um, and I mean, I got some feedback from some friends, and they said it would be pretty good so that was basically the main reason so it's really kind of just like a little bit of background about yourself what you're kind of doing some quick hitting questions and then uh the main thing would kind of be like what would your five minute uh bitcoin elevator pitch be so that's kind of the main reason of what i want to kind of do so you ready all right (laughs) one second no worries all right cool all right i guess i'll um I'll, I'll do my best. Usually, usually it takes me a good solid two or three hours to write up a succinct five minute. <laughs> yeah, um, I know I'm asking for a lot, but it's, it's yeah, kind of yeah, almost yeah. impossible. So I'll do, well, I'll do what I can. I'll do yeah. what I can. Um, so yeah, kind of just to start off, you know, just give a little bit of background about yourself and also kind of what you you're kind of putting out there in the Bitcoin space. Okay. Um, so um, I originally was in film until I decided there was no way to uh, make money in that on my own projects unless I already had a ton of money. And um, so I went into tech, which was really kind of one of my loves about film anyway, Um, and uh, uh, started kind of going down the rabbit hole of 
realizing that the internet, which I had thought was just like a cool toy through high school and even into college, um, but was really kind of discovering that those little things that I thought were neat, like, oh, look how BitTorrent, look how I can download a music file um, for free and, you know, stick it to the man, so to speak, uh, that I began to realize that that actually changes the world, that that actually fundamentally, like that was disrupting entire industries that like billion dollar industries that had held a monopoly or, you know, had consolidated power for decades and decades. Um, uh, basically breaking down a barrier to entry that had people pulling the strings of it. And so that was just fascinating to me. Um, and I was beginning to realize that it was reshaping how we interacted with each other in the whole business and uh, uh, landscape, essentially. Um, and it was beginning to slowly disrupt just like every single industry, just this new technology on how to deliver information and media to people. And amidst all that and going down the uh, Austrian economic rabbit hole at the same time with my brother, Bitcoin stumbled into my lap and we were just utterly fascinated because it's essentially what the internet was to um, the centralized communication channels in the 80s and 90s. Bitcoin is that to the centralized monetary and banking channels. Um, it's an open protocol for anyone to write code for money. And just like the internet was an open protocol to write communication code. And I think just like we saw um, cable television, AT&T phone networks, um, newspapers, uh, physical publishing, uh, albums, and you know the complete rejection of selling a song one at a time, all of that stuff fall away over a period of about 15 or 20 years. Everything you think is normal about money and banking, I believe in 15 to 20 years will cease to be normal. Awesome. Yeah. And um, so, so kind of one of the uh, questions that I, I'm trying to ask is, you know, if you could kind of go back in time, convince yourself about Bitcoin before, uh, you know, the first time you heard about it. Uh, what would you say to yourself and why? Um, however, I've heard, you know, on you on a other podcasts, you, you and your brother got into it quite early. So that question might not, uh, you know, directly work for you. However, at the time, you probably thought it was wild. Um, but uh, I guess if, you, if someone was listening to this for the first time, first time they heard about Bitcoin, you know, what would you kind of want to say to them to, you know, at least get into it and learn about it, you know, as quickly as possible, basically kind of keep them interested and, you know, just to get involved. Okay. So I will actually tell you what I would say to myself back then is yes, we went down the rabbit hole within an hour or, or we started head first diving down and just let the tumble happen within the first hour. Um, and we're up all night that night. But what I would tell myself uh, within the following months of that is don't, is A, you're right about how you think about this thing. And B, don't let yourself be confused by today's price when you have an idea of what the future price is going to be. And it was worth $5, quote unquote, 
in in my life like it was actually going to be worth $50,000. It's very easy to lose a Bitcoin or delete a key for three Bitcoin and think, eh, it's 15 bucks, but then not buy it back, realizing that, yeah, it's going to be 150 grand in the future. Um, so you still ne necessarily feel like you have, even though you're like, oh, in the future, this is going to be huge. You still just treat it like the amount of money it is today. It takes a very long time to realize, no, every bit of the change in these wallets is precious. Please, Jesus, don't delete those keys. Um, right. And I so just that's saw what I would tell myself. Yeah. Um, and I just saw that. Uh, I think you tweeted something today, like you know, instead of like that being at a convenience store, um, you know, you want to buy a bar of candy or something, you don't, you instead you stack yeah. the sets. So you're still stacking today. And then, like I said, you, you're very yeah. early. So um, I stack, I stack more now dollar wise than right. I ever did really. Yeah. Um, but to somebody who's new and wants to get into it, I would just say, buy a little bit, just buy it. Like before you know anything about it, legitimately, if you are interested in learning about it, buy $10 worth by $30 worth, whatever you were going to spend today on your coffee outing or, you know, whatever, get a little bit in, uh, allocated to it so that you're interested, you're vested. And now you want to, you're going to want to learn more about it. You're going to watch the price. You're going to see what the hell is this thing. Uh, and that's the skin in the game that'll get you to start going down the rabbit hole. If you're interested, that's what I recommend. Yeah, I can definitely agree to that. Um, I, uh, I'm kind of a class of 2020 and, um, bought my first in October and I, that's when I felt pretty convinced but then when I bought it and I saw what was kind of happening and it kind of shot up really fast I was like all right I gotta learn like as much as I can about this so I have the conviction to be able to hold through these crazy volatile swings so I can definitely yep. attest to that uh, just a couple more questions um, so mm -hmm. why Bitcoin and not some other altcoin. Um, I use this analogy a lot is um, when you connect to the internet, when you're looking for something, it's a communication protocol. Do you connect to one of your five favorite internets or do you connect to the internet? Now, there was a whole period, there was a decade in the 90s where there was this idea that we were going to have curated internet experiences the Prodigy and CompuServe. Now there wasn't quite the money in it, AOL online. Um, uh, there wasn't quite the money in it as there is with shitcoins. So I think the incentive to copy a copy pasta, a token that you can create for free as its creator and then sell for millions of dollars, the power of copy pasting that is unbelievable. That's a huge incentive. So if you can tweak it, give it a new logo and stick up a website and make $20 million, you're going to do it even if your project is complete nonsense. But at the end of the day, the reason money exists is because it is the quote, it's referred to as the most saleable good in society. The only reason money works is because we're all using the same one. That's why you almost universally end up with one dominant monetary good in the absence of like ridiculous barriers like government violence or um, you know taxation, like all of these things that force you to use A over B. Um, 
for the same reason, for the same reason, everybody listening to this podcast speaks the same language for the same reason. There aren't two phone protocols. When you pick up the phone, it calls everybody's phone. It's not useful if we're not on the same quote unquote medium. Uh, so monies naturally converge. That's the point of money. So I think in the end, we're going to end up essentially on a single one and it's going to be the most trusted, the most secure, the most decentralized. And that is without question, Bitcoin. Love it. Love it. <clears throat> um, so compared to when you got involved, you know, there wasn't a lot of, I'm sure, literature, podcasts, a lot of media out there to kind of inform <laughs> people on that. Um, right now, it, there's an explosion of it. Um, and you can almost get anything uh, at the touch of your fingers. So if you had to recommend a, a book, an article or a podcast uh, to a first time person hearing about it, what would you recommend? Bitcoin Audible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't even mention to shill my own. <laughs> yeah, you didn't even mention that in your background. So feel free to shill that for sure. Well, I'll shill that actually because the whole reason I made the show was to expose people to all of the best of other people's works. So Bitcoin Audible for people who don't know is like uh, Patrick just said, you you know, like there wasn't there, there weren't that many articles. Uh, or podcasts or content when I got into it, but there was great writing out there. There were some epic pieces by cypherpunks, even back in the 90s, that broke down what a Bitcoin-like system would be, all that philosophy and history of that. Um, so the whole point of the show was actually is just something that I had wished for years somebody else would do, was just go curating, going through all of these old articles and all the new articles and everything, finding the best things and then making them in all like in audible format so you can listen to them. Um, so that's literally what the show is. 90% of the show, I mean, I still do solo episodes and interviews and those sorts of things. But, you know, three episodes a week are just me reading some sort of really great piece from Nick Carter, Nick Zabo, um, Lynn Alden, uh, Alex Gladstein, Gigi, like all these great people, like all this other great content that other people produce, I've just pulled all together. So even if you're not looking for specifically Bitcoin Audible, if you're looking for other people who write brilliant things or produce great content or video or whatever, this list of authors and the stuff I have on Bitcoin Audible is a pretty damn good list, I feel like. Um, and that's the whole point of making the show. So ho hopefully, I mean, people say it's useful. So I, I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely is. I know I've uh, listened to it while I'm doing mundane tasks. So um, definitely an easy thing to put on and, and, and pop in and basically try to do something while you're normally wouldn't be getting any information into your head anyway. Like if you're doing yeah. something that like that. Podcasting is a productivity hack. Yeah. 100%. I, yeah. I can't tell you how much stuff I've learned doing the dishes and laundry. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I listen to podcasts all the time when I'm working too. So it's just an easy filler and to learn about anything really. So, um, all right. So to kind of get to your uh, elevator pitch, what would you, if, you know, say you had like five or so minutes in an elevator with someone, maybe it got stuck or something, um, you know, what would be your pitch to that person? Um, whether it be, you know, financial, philosophical, it has to do with engineering, whatever way you want to spin it, spin it, uh, you know, what would be your pitch? Well, it would probably depend on the audience, but um, the one I 
I personally like the most is the kind of philosophical of what is money. You know, money at the end of the day ends up becoming a, like after it's a good in the society, it becomes widely adopted and people start using it to store value and then it becomes a medium of exchange. Post all of this happening with money, what money ends up doing in society is keeping records of favors we've done for each other. It's a way to tally what value someone has created versus consumed. And society gets wealthier by making sure people are creating more than is consumed. You know, if you, if you catch 10 fish and you only eat eight, we're two fish richer. And so money ends up becoming that record of favors. It's that record. If you, if you make, if you make a dollar on every sandwich and you make and give out a sell a million sandwiches and you save a million dollars, that is an indication if you've actually worked for that million dollars, that is an indication to the rest of society that you have done a million dollars worth of favors for other people without redeeming any of it. You made sandwiches and you didn't eat them. You gave them to other people so they could eat them. And so society owes you that million dollars in value back because you've already done all the work. That's your proof of work. But that completely breaks down when there's somebody who can counterfeit those favors out of nothing. When there's a group of people, there's a political elite, there's some corporate subsidized assholes that can get a billion dollars because somebody just has a piece of paper or a, the right keyboard with the right password that says, here's a billion dollars to my good old buddy. And suddenly they can do nothing. They can simply consume all of those sandwiches and never give you anything back. Somebody is robbing you of years of your life because they can cheat the money and they play by an entirely different set of rules in society. That is bastardizing the role of money in society. That is a deeply, deeply unfair system. You know, our government printed $6 trillion just this past year. The average U.S. citizen makes $2 million over their lifetime. And the market works because all of our input changes the prices of things. When I buy sandwich A instead of sandwich B, I'm, I'm supporting the businesses that make sandwich A. So that's my input. That's all of my dreams, all of my trade-offs. When I decide not to go on vacation, instead get my kids some braces, like that's, that's where my value begins to shape the world around me. When someone prints $6 trillion out of thin air, and just decides to give it to Amazon or Google or their corporate buddies or contractors to blow something up in Afghanistan, what they are doing is they are deleting the life, the dreams, the skills, all of the input of 3 million people from birth to death. They are cheating the market out of your influence. And they are just, at a political whim, deciding what the shape of the world is going to be. And you're just not part of it anymore. Bitcoin is a system of money, a system of accounting that makes it so nobody can cheat. It is a, is a digital decentralized system on the internet that makes it so everyone is the referee and no one can cheat it. It eliminates that money printing. It eliminates that corporate subsidy from, uh, from the monetary masters and it makes money actually something 
that the people themselves own and the people themselves secure. It's money for the people rather than money forced on the people. And I think that's absolutely revolutionary. And it means that we all actually have, if we actually believe in equal rights and equal rules and equal equality before the law, Bitcoin is utterly essential and is a revolutionary technology. Man, where, where do I buy? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, I love it. And, um, you know, something that I've like thought of like recently is, you know, you mentioned the $6 trillion, but they've been doing this for so long. So just kind of that's been just last year, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And something that always kind of has struck in my mind ever since I've gotten into Bitcoin is, uh, you know, we all have parents and uh, I know people have different relationships with parents, but I think about my parents and, you know, all the hard work they've put in throughout their lives. And it's like, where would they be if they had a good money? You know, would they have been retired 20 years earlier, like, and enjoying their lives a certain way? Like, and that kind of gets me pissed off, you know, like yeah. why, why is that? You know, um, like my parents are in their seventies and they're still struggling. Right. Right. Still struggling to get there. Yeah. And literally the only reason either one of them really even has a hope is because, because we convinced them to get into Bitcoin. Like, so they've made up for 50 years of not making any headway and <laughs> about five. So yeah, it's, it's wild, right? It's, I can't imagine being somebody who doesn't have that light at the end of the time. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I can say like, without a doubt, you know, before I really learned about Bitcoin and, you know, getting into it now, it's exactly what Michael Saylor says. Like it's hope. It's like something that you can rely on into the future that, you know, is always going to be there. Um, something that can't be devalued like before it, like, you know, I have two young kids right now and I just, ne I, I never really knew like, all right, well, I'm just going to work until like I'm 70. Like what the hell? This sucks. Like, how <laughs> right. am I going to, how am I going to figure this out? Like, you know, like it's wild. So yeah. it's like, how much money am I supposed to have at some point to buy a bond? So yeah. I can make 0.5%. Right. So I got to have like $20 million to make 50 grand a year. Right. Well, um, $10 million. I can't do math. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I really appreciate you uh, kind of coming on. So, you know, um, you know, kind of just follow up where, can people follow you and uh, learn more about what you uh, are kind of putting out there? I know you kind of touched upon it already, but. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I uh, host Bitcoin audible where I do this talking, ranting bullshit every day <laughs> um, and read a lot about Bitcoin, uh, more about Bitcoin than anybody else, you know, actually. <laughs> uh, and uh, so you can follow me at Bitcoin uh, audible. I also have a shitcoin insider um, much less frequent, but uh, I have an episode in the bag that I've been waiting to, uh, publish um so if you want a, a really fun kind of a bitcoin maxi perspective on all the rest of the altcoin and crypto space uh we mostly just pick on it and it's fun but uh, uh it, it's my guilty pleasure um and then of course i am on twitter at the guy swan and swan is with two ends uh and basically from there you can probably find everything else Awesome. Well, uh, again, appreciate you coming on. Um, and yeah, just re I really enjoyed the pitch. Um, and I hope, I hope other people did too. So. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, right. Thanks so much, Guy, for coming on the show. You will find in the show notes, there are links to everything that was mentioned, including where you can follow and find Guy's content. 
If you got this far, thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And if you feel you have a Bitcoin pitch to tell, I want you on the show. Feel free to reach out to me via Twitter at baby underscore Pat with two Y's and two T's or email me at bitcoinpitchpodcast at gmail.com. See you next time.